Okay, so we started a series last Sunday uh, that we're calling The Holy Spirit and You. Uh, that's the series that we started last Sunday, The Holy Spirit and You. That's the, that's the title of the, of the series that we're in. Um, but this particular message that, that we're sharing today, last week's message was, was called The Seven Things that, the, that You Need to Know About the Holy Spirit. Uh, that's what we shared last Sunday. But today, I want to talk to you about the seven things the Holy Spirit will do for you. The seven things the Holy Spirit will do for you. Now, this doesn't mean that there are only seven things the Holy Spirit will do for you, okay? When I, when I do three points or seven points, it doesn't mean that's all there is. Aha. Uh-huh. It's just that that's what the Spirit of God has led me to share with you as the most important things for this season and for right now. Okay, we're still going to talk about a lot of things about the Holy Spirit. For example, the nine gifts of the Spirit. We'll, we'll do that in another message. We're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. All right, well, and we're going to talk about a lot more things like that. All right, so, but these are the things that the Spirit of God has led me to capture in this message as seven things that the Holy Spirit will do for you. And like I said last Sunday, make sure you're taking notes. All of these things are going to become very important to us uh, at the end of the series and even for your lives for later on. There are so many things that I'm sharing with you these days that came uh, as a result of me going back to some of the notes that I've had for a long time. And I, 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 I recaptured a lot of things. I saw some things and fresh perspective. I mean, even some of us who teach these things, you can lose sight of things. As you are a human being, you can lose sight of things. You, 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 you forget that you know certain things until you go back to your notes and you see them and you're like, wow, so actually I knew this. What? You know, so you need to take some time to actually write things down so that later in the future you can go back to them. Okay, now. Uh, last Sunday, we talked about who the Holy Spirit is. Let me just recap a little bit in case you're watching, you're, you're joining us for the very first time today, or you couldn't watch last week's Sunday for uh, last week's Sunday's message for some reason, right? Now, we said that the Holy Spirit, or if you're using older translations, is referred to as the Holy Ghost. Uh, we said he is actually God. The Holy Spirit is God. And that is a mindset reset for a lot of us because we have seen him that most of the time we've been, we've been introduced to him as the third person in the Trinity. So we, we see him as this, the third guy who is the, the least important of the Godhead. But that's not the way it is, okay? He is a member of the Godhead, the Trinity. He is not the third person. He is a member of the Godhead. He is equal with God. Yes, he is equal with God and with Jesus because we saw that in the scripture. The Bible says there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Spirit, and these three are one. So that is what the Bible says, all right? I don't care what your theology has been. That's what the Word of God says, and that's what we deliver around here. And we also said that the Holy Spirit is the power by which God made the whole world. The Holy Spirit is the power of God. Uh, He is the one who actually does the things that the Godhead wants to carry out. He is the executive, the executor of the will, of the the decisions that the Godhead reaches. Uh, The Holy Spirit is the one that carries it out. He was the first one that was introduced to us in Scripture. We talked about all of that last Sunday. If If you missed it, go ahead and watch the message. You can either watch the entire live stream or just the message. If you don't have too much time, we always post the message. Uh, We started to do that last Sunday to post the message separately so that those of you who just want to watch the message, I know there are people like that, that I don't want all the announcements. I don't want the worship. I just want the message. You can watch the message and just catch up with us, all right? Or you can go and watch the entire service all over again. So today we're going to be talking about about the things that the Holy Spirit will do for you. So let's start out here. Point number one. What does the Holy Spirit do for us? Number one, he assures us of our salvation. The Holy Spirit is the one that assures us of our salvation. In other words, he convinces us that we are righteous. He assures us of our salvation and of our righteousness in God. So let's start out here in Romans. Romans chapter number 8 and verse 16. 
in case you're, you're watching for the first time, uh, around here we use the New King James Version of the Bible. So if you don't see us say what version it is, it is always the New King James. When we change it, we, 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 we let you know that that's a different translation. But we, we have chosen the New King James Version as our official you know, version that we use around here. All right. So Romans chapter 8, verse 16, here's what it says. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. Look at it. It says the Spirit himself. So it doesn't call the Spirit eats. That's why we said last Sunday that the Holy Spirit has a personality. He's a person. It's not a bird. It's not a wind or air or anything like that. He's a person. So it says the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. So this is what the Holy Spirit does. He assures us that we are children of God. Because you see, we said again that the Holy Spirit is the gift that God gives to every believer when you get saved. So when you become a child of God, the Holy Spirit is the deposit that the, 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 the Father gives us to let us know that we are now his own. So he is the seal of our redemption. The Holy Spirit is the seal of our redemption. We will see that in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter number 4 and verse 30. It says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So it's almost like a down payment that God gave, you know, to say, I want to let you know that you are my own uh, and let everybody know, let the, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness know that you are my own, that you belong to me. So it gives us the Holy Spirit as a seal for the day of redemption. It's, it's like a down payment to say, this is a guarantee that you belong to me, all right? So that's what the Holy Spirit is in our lives. Uh, and that's who he is. That's who he represents. He's the seal of our redemption. He assures us of our salvation. He lets us know that we are children of God. And when he is present in our lives, he gives us something called the joy of salvation. So the Holy Spirit gives us the joy of salvation. That's why one of the major signs that you will know if somebody has truly repented and become a child of God is there is a joy. There is a joy that comes on the inside of them that is different from happiness. Now, happiness is something that, that comes as a result of happenings. Uh, but joy is a different thing. Joy is, whether the person is rich or poor, there is a joy that wells up on the inside of them. There is something on the inside that just makes the person constantly happy, constantly radiating. Uh, it's joy. It's the joy of salvation. And you see that in the book of Psalm, Psalm chapter number 51, from verse 10 to 12. Psalm 51, from verse 10 to 12. Here's what it says. Create in me a clean heart, O God and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Then verse 12 says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. You see that? Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with your generous spirit. So this is what the Holy Spirit does. He produces joy in the life of a believer. Uh, New Testament reference to this you find in Romans chapter number 14, and verse 17, Romans 14 and 17, it says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So these are the things that you see in the life of anyone who has the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, which is the way of, of being and doing right. Okay, And then it is also a state. It's a gift. You become righteous when you, when you become a child of God. And that righteousness produces, you know, a, a change in the way that you live your life. So you see that sign. You also see something called peace in the life of somebody who has become a Christian. There is a peace that is on the inside of them. That they are not panicking. No matter what is going on around them. And, and peace is something that, no matter what is on the outside of you, you are, you are calm. Because you know who you are and whose you are. And there is the joy in the Holy Spirit. Which is something that regardless of what you have or don't have, you have it on the inside of you. It is called the joy 
of salvation. That's point number one. That's what the Holy Spirit will do. He assures us of our salvation. He lets us know that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. Even where, while our behavior is still catching up with who we are, the Holy Spirit always assures us that you and I are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Point number two. What will the Holy Spirit do for you? He will teach you all things. These are the words of Jesus. The Holy Spirit teaches us all things. That's point number two. The Holy Spirit is our primary teacher. He teaches us all things. And all things is all things. It's not that, that there are certain things that we can leave out of the Holy Spirit. That He teaches us just the Bible, you know, and, and normal, regular, you know, natural things. The Holy Spirit doesn't know much about. No, sir. The Bible says it will teach us all things, all things. And you'll find that in John chapter number 14. Uh, John chapter 14, verse 26. The words of Jesus. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you how many things? I want you to say it. How many things will he teach you? All things. He will teach you all things. And then he says, and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So these are two different things. Is Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit will teach you all things. So whether it is physics or chemistry or biology, the Holy Spirit will teach you all things. And then he will bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. In other words, the scriptures. So he will teach us all things, natural things. He will also bring the scriptures to our remembrance. So the Holy Spirit can teach you anything at all. The first thing, though, that he will teach you is to open up the word of God to you. He will show you the scriptures, everything Jesus said, you find it again in John chapter number 15. John chapter 15, verse 26. But the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. So the Holy Spirit teaches us who we are in Christ. He testifies of Jesus to us. It tells us who Jesus is in us and who we are in Jesus Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit does. We see it again, 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. Verse 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. So this is a very important thing that the Holy Spirit does for us. He is the one who shows us, as you sit with your Bible and you read it, the Holy Spirit is the one who leads you to the things that you need to know. He will show you the things that have been freely given to you by God. So you will know who you are. You know who you are in Christ. You understand what your heritage is. What your inheritance in Christ is, you, you get to understand that. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. He's the one who does that. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us understanding of the things of God. So before you become a Christian and you have the Holy Spirit, when you read the Bible, it looks like, like a foreign language to you. You don't understand it. You read some things and you're like, what is this? But the minute the Holy Spirit comes in, he's the one who gives you understanding of the things of God. Job chapter number 32. Job chapter 32 verse 8. But there is a spirit in man. And the breath of the Almighty gives him understanding. There is a spirit in man. And the breath of the Almighty gives him understanding. So this is what the Holy Spirit does. He gives us understanding. He gives us understanding of the things of God and understanding of natural things. Whether it is in your studies or in your career, you have a professional exam or whatever it is, the Holy Spirit is your help. You need to make sure that you are engaging. And we'll talk about that at the end. How do we bring all these things to life? inside of us. Because some of you might, you might be hearing these things and say, well, I'm not experiencing any of these things. There's a reason why. And we'll get to that. Let's just keep going. Point number three. What would the Holy Spirit do for us? Number three, the Holy Spirit brings the presence and power of God into our lives. The Holy Spirit brings the presence and power of God into our lives. The Holy Spirit is the one who brings 
the presence of God, the person of God into our lives. Without the Holy Spirit, we, we, we don't have the capacity to behave like God. We don't have that capacity. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us that capacity. And that capacity is called the anointing. The presence and power of God is referred to as the anointing. The anointing is the empowerment that the Holy Spirit brings into our lives. And it is accessible to every Christian. This is one of the most important things that I want you to understand today. Because a lot of people think that the anointing is just for preaching. It's for pastors. When you want to have an anointing service, you want to lay hands on people, that's when you need the anointing. No, you need the anointing to drive. The anointing is what will make you go for your driving test and pass on the first account. <laughs> the anointing will help you to do anything. You need the anointing to on your job, to sit down at your desk and to look at those spreadsheets and they make sense to you. I remember when I was, there was a particular job that I had in Vancouver that required doing a lot of spreadsheets and data for a, a massive company for the entire country. I had to figure out figures of, of, of statistics and that's not my thing. If you know me at all, <laughs> you know that statistics is not my thing. The Holy Spirit was the one who helped me throughout that job to do things right and to do it well. And at the end of the day, I, I looked at it and I'm like, Excel was never my thing, but the Holy Spirit helped me through that process. So the anointing on the inside of you is for everything. It's not just for those who are in the ministry. Okay, so we need to, we need to understand that. that we're, we're talking about your everyday life here. The Holy Spirit wants to help you in all of those different things. Whatever it is, no matter how difficult it is. Acts chapter number 1 and verse 8. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The word power there is this dunamis, the dynamic ability to cause changes. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I always tell people that when, when a, a preacher lays hands on you, the proof of power is not that you, are, you fall under the anointing. The proof of power is change. Because the word power is dunamis. It is the dynamic ability to cause changes. So if there's no change taking place, there's no power. So what this power will do in your life is to help you to cause changes in your circumstances, in your environment. If you, you, there's something that is going on that you don't like and you need a change, the Holy Spirit is the one that helps you to effect this change. So this empowerment is primarily for witnessing to other people about Jesus. That's the first thing that, this, that you will notice when the Holy Spirit comes into someone's life is that the person suddenly becomes interested in reaching out to other people. He, he wants to witness to other people. And we find this in Acts chapter number 10, verse 38. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. It says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So Jesus went about doing good. So the minute you have this empowerment, you want to start doing good. You want to go about helping people, causing changes, in your environment. The anointing, that, like we've said, is the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. I want you to write that down. The definition of the anointing, this empowerment that we're talking about that the Holy Spirit will bring to your life, is the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. So, if there's a yoke that the enemy has been building in the lives of people, you know, the enemy spends a lot of time building yokes in the lives of families. It will mount up layers of yokes right, where people will, will say, uh, we have this thing in our family where you know, nobody goes past the age of 30 and, uh, uh, you know, everybody gets married at 40. You know, and people say all those things. They are yokes. They are things that the enemy has built up in the lives of people. But the anointing is what breaks that yoke. We see that in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter number 10 and verse 27. We see what, what Jesus, uh, what the Bible says here. Uh, Isaiah chapter number 10 and verse 27. It says, and it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder. 
and his yoke from off thy neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. The yoke shall be destroyed. Some translations say the anointing oil. It's the same thing. Because of the anointing. The oil is just a symbol. It is because of the anointing that the yoke is destroyed. So the anointing of the Holy Ghost makes it possible for you to do things you ordinarily wouldn't have been able to do by yourself. That's what the anointing helps you to do. Things that on your own, uh, on your own accord, on, your, on, your, on a normal day, like they say, or, uh, you, you are not able to do this. But the Spirit of God comes on you. He empowers you to be able to do that. Philippians chapter 4. You see this also in the New Testament. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. Look at this. It says, I can do all things. You see that here. So as the Holy Spirit is bringing all things to your remembrance, He's also helping you to do all things. He says, through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things. Through Christ who strengthens me. It's interesting that he doesn't say through Jesus. You notice that? He actually didn't say, I can do all things through Jesus who strengthens me. No, because Jesus is no longer here. And I told you last week, we are in the dispensation of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the one who is here right now, causing things to happen in our lives. He says, you will do all things through Christ. And I told you that Christ is not the last name of Jesus. Aha. Uh -huh. When you see Jesus Christ, Christ is not his last name. Christ literally means the anointed one and his anointing. So when he says you can do all things through Christ, he's saying you can do all things through the anointing, through the Holy Ghost who is on the inside of you. You are able to do all things. So that's the third thing that the Holy Spirit does in our lives. Point number four. I hope you're staying with me. Point number four. The Holy Spirit guides and leads us. The Holy Spirit guides and leads us. John chapter number 16 and verse 13. John 16, 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. I like that. He will tell you. In other words, he will reveal to you things that are going to happen in the future that have not yet happened. This is what the Holy Spirit does. He guides us into all, all truth. And he will, he will not speak of his own, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell us things to come. So the Holy Spirit is our ultimate guide. The Holy Spirit of God is our ultimate guide. He is the one that tells us things to come. He's the one that reveals secrets to us. A, a Christian without the Holy Spirit is like a sheep without a shepherd. Your, your pastor is not your, your primary shepherd. I am not your primary shepherd. The Holy Ghost is your shepherd. Okay, but I know we like to refer to pastors as shepherds, which is correct. But the truth is, your primary shepherd, your primary guide is the Holy Ghost. It's just that you need uh, men on the outside too, to, to be accountable to, to help you in your work with God. But the first person that you are accountable to, your first guide and shepherd is the Holy Spirit. Imagine a, uh, 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 an aeroplane that doesn't have a pilot. That's the way a Christian, a Christian's life is without the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Spirit to function as a believer. You cannot, let me say it clearly, you cannot live a successful Christian life Without the Holy Spirit, you are shortchanging yourself. You are shortchanging yourself. The Bible says that it is those who, who are led by the Holy Spirit that are actually the sons of God. That's what it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 14. It says, as many as are led, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So if you want to know the people who are the sons of God, they are those who are being led by the Spirit of God. They are being guided by the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God leads. He doesn't force you to do anything. The Holy Spirit just gives you nudges. It, it, it gives you almost like suggestions to tell you, you know, this is what, this is what you should probably do here. Now, don't you think this is what you should do? Uh, it's not going to force you to do anything. So you are still able to exercise your own will. But the Holy Spirit will lead you. It will guide you. It will, it will give you clues. 
and try to tell you what, what you should be doing in every given situation. That is what the Holy Spirit does for us. Point number five. Point number five. The Holy Spirit, just like his name is, is the, is the, and we say that's not really a name, it's just a description, okay? The Holy Spirit makes us holy. Makes us holy. This is one aspect that people don't like to tap into. Uh -huh. They want to have the Holy Spirit, but still just do things anyhow. The Holy Spirit, if you truly have him, is supposed to help us to obey God and do the right thing. Whether or not anybody is watching you, the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, if you, if you are communing and you activate the Spirit of God on the inside of you, it will produce holiness in your life. On the outside, people will see that there is a change. There is a change of behavior. There is a change of character because the Holy Spirit will literally translate into holiness into your life. Ezekiel chapter number 36 and verse 27. Ezekiel 36, 27. It says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. So the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to obey God's word and to do God's will. This is what the Holy Spirit does. It gives us the ability to obey God's word and to do the will of God. He helps us to speak the truth at all times because he is the spirit of truth. That's what Jesus called him. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. He will give you the ability to obey God and to do the right thing. Whether people are watching you or not, whether you are on your own or you are where people are, the spirit of God on the inside of you will always be speaking to you and helping you. Like we said, when we're done, we're going to talk about how to bring this to, to manifestation. Because you can be hearing all those things and say, this is what the Holy Spirit is supposed to do for me. But honestly, I'm not experiencing any of these things. Really. Uh -huh. We'll get to why you are not experiencing it. We'll talk about that before we go. Alright? Let's look at Isaiah. Isaiah chapter number 30 and verse 21. Isaiah 30 and verse 21. It says, your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left. Your ears will hear a word behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. The Holy Spirit is the one that gives you those directions. It tells you what you need to be doing. The Holy Spirit enables us to love other people. It's the Holy Spirit that produces the love of God on the inside of us. It's the one that helps us to be fearless in the face of challenges, in the face of opposition. The Holy Spirit is the one that helps us to be fearless. We find this in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. You see that? The, God hasn't given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This is what the Holy Spirit does. He makes us fearless. We have power, we have the love of God, and we have a sound mind. The ability to think clearly, the ability to process things. You, you have a sound mind, clarity of thoughts, understanding, all of this come as a result of the work of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. Let's keep going. Point number six. We're almost there. Point number six. The Holy Spirit keeps us in divine health. The Holy Spirit keeps us in divine health. And I like this one so much. This, again, is another one that many people, uh, because of advancement in medicine and all of these different things, people no longer rely on the Holy Spirit within them. There's a difference between you having healing or recovering from a sickness and you having divine health. There are two different things. Divine health is basically that nothing, nothing that is not of God. Like the Bible says, no, anything that my father in heaven did not plant, nothing that is of God can stay in your body. That's divine health. Divine health is you are constantly in health. This is what the Holy Spirit is supposed to do for you. The Holy Spirit keeps us in divine health. Uh, but this is one area that most Christians do not take advantage of. Let's look at it in scripture. Romans chapter number 8. 
and see what, what the Bible says here. Romans chapter 8 from verse 10 to verse 11. Romans 8, 10 to 11. And if Christ is in you. Do you see that again? It doesn't say if Jesus is in you because Jesus is not in you. It's the Holy Spirit that is in you. So it says if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. The spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. He says, if the spirit of him that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he will also give life to your physical body, life to your physical body through the spirit that lives on the inside of you. In other words, you are not supposed to be falling sick. You are not supposed to, they, don't, they are not supposed to know your name in the hospital where, you know, they know, once you show up, they know that, ah, it's him again. You know, that, that's not the way it's supposed to be. You are supposed to live healthy, to be in, in health. That's what the Bible guarantees us, all right? If the spirit of, of, of God draws on you. So he restores and revitalizes us. That's what he does. He restores and revitalizes us. The Holy Spirit and sickness should not be able to stay in you at the same time. You, know, you see, I'm saying should not. This is, this is what it's supposed to be, okay? So if your experience is different, today there's going to be a change in the name of Jesus Christ. That's why we're going through this series, that you have an understanding of who you are and what you are supposed to be experiencing. Acts chapter number 10. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. Acts chapter 10 verse 38. It says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good, and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. The reason why I'm showing you this scripture again is because, you see, you are not just supposed to be in divine health. You are supposed to be healing other people. But if you are not enjoying uh, divine health, how are you going to heal other people? So you have to be able to enjoy what the Holy Spirit has provided, which is divine health, and then translate that into healing for other people, just like Jesus, to go about doing good. Don't forget, our purpose here as a church is to lead people to Jesus, to make them more like him, and then to see them lead others to Jesus. Let me say that again. To lead people to Jesus, this is why we exist. To lead people to Jesus, to make those people more like Jesus, and then literally see them begin to lead other people to Jesus Christ. So we are supposed to be ex uh, follow the, the example that Jesus laid out for us, is that Jesus was not, was not just living in divine health. He was also producing healing in the lives of other people. Point number seven. Before we talk about how to see these things actually manifest in our lives. Point number seven. The Holy Spirit produces excellence in us. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of excellence. He produces excellence in our lives. The, the Holy Spirit and mediocrity don't go together. Okay? Daniel chapter number six and verse three. There is something in the life of every Christian that yearns for excellence because the Holy Spirit is there. When, when you see something that is not done well, there's something in you that, that feels like, ah, this thing can be better. You know, within the limit of what you have and can do, you always yearn to, to be the best that you can be. All right? And that's the, the result of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Uh, whether you are in, in school or whatever it is, you yearn for excellence. Look at this. Then, this Daniel was distinguished. This Daniel was distinguished. Uh, so, it, it says then, this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thoughts to setting him over the whole realm. So the, the Holy Spirit is the excellent spirit. is the spirit of excellence. And this excellent spirit is supposed to set us apart. So you see, Daniel was promoted because he had an excellent spirit. So the Holy Spirit doesn't tolerate mediocrity. It gives you exceptional qualities 
that make you stand out. Alright? That's what the Holy Spirit does. It gives you qualities that make you stand out. Because excellence honors God and inspires people. Excellence honors God and inspires people. Some people think that excellence is expensive. Well, excellence pays. Uh, it doesn't cost. It pays. Because at the, at the end of the day, you are honoring God. And when people see excellent things, and don't forget what we said about success. You see, these people have this idea that excellence means that you are, you are perfect or that you are the best there is. No, that's not what it is. Excellence is basically you doing better than your last, the last version of yourself. That's what it is. So that you are con- constantly improving, that you are getting better all the time, that people can see that you are not sitting in one place. You are not resting on your oars. You are not you know, just taking things the way they are. You are always striving to be better. That's what excellence is. That's really what it is. That you are always improving, always getting better because you will not have all the resources that you need in manifestation at every single point in time to do all the things that you want to do. Okay? So, but as, as, you, as you have those things, as God blesses you, you start to make adjustments and, and it, it's obvious that, yeah, this, this guy is, is always trying to be better. You know, I, I don't preach the same way now, uh, the, the, way, the way I preach now, the, the way I used to preach when I was in, in, in youth uh, church, when I was pastoring a youth church or when I was in fellowship, uh, in, my, in my fellowship days. I still have one tape from my, my days on campus and I have a video as well. I, I try not to watch the video because I feel bad every time I look at it. I still have it. It's a video of a message that I preach and an audio recording. I, I sound a lot different now because I've grown. I've become a better person. I understand how to uh, you know, arrange my points. And the, the truth of the matter is 10 years from today, I'm not going to be the same version of myself because I, I'm constantly improving. I'm constantly getting better. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's the work that the Holy Spirit is supposed to do on the inside of us. Alright, so having gone through all these points, let's quickly talk about how do we see these things manifest in our lives. So in order for us to see these things active in our lives, they are there, but they may be dormant because the Holy Spirit is there. If you have, you have become a child of God, and if you have not, I will give you an opportunity at the end of the message. So please stick around to, to get born again. And the Holy Spirit will come on the inside of you and, and make sure that these things are possible in your life. But how do we see it come to pass in reality? It is through something called the communion of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit can be there. But if you are not communing with the Holy Spirit, you will not see these things manifested in your life. So the communion of the Holy Spirit is what gives us access to these things. 2 Corinthians chapter number 13, verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. It says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. I underline the word communion myself because that is the focus here. It says the communion of the Holy Spirit. What is communion? Communion is koinonia in the Greek. It is fellowship, partnership, participation. These are very important words. So it's saying when you allow the Holy Spirit to, you are in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. You allow the Holy Spirit to be in partnership with you. You allow the Holy Spirit to participate in your life. That's when you can see these things come to pass. So you must invite the Holy Spirit to participate. He has to be an active participant in your life. He has to be your senior partner every single day. So every day you wake up and you get out of your bed, the first thing that should come out of your mouth is good morning, Holy Spirit. That is the first thing that should come out of your mouth. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Help me today. Walk with me today. Before you go about your day, before you start to do your elaborate uh, quiet time, Make sure that you are in partnership with the Holy Spirit. Before you make any move, do anything, you need to ask the Spirit of God, what do you, what would you have me do about it? Because you can't enjoy the benefits of having the Holy Spirit in you if you don't fellowship with Him. If you don't spend time with the Holy Spirit, if you don't commune with the Holy Spirit constantly. 
This is what Paul said to Timothy. He said, stir up the gift that is in you. Stir it up. Stir up the gift that is in you. He said that in 2 Timothy chapter 1 uh, from verse 6 to verse 7. 2 Timothy chapter 1 from verse 6 to 7. 2 Timothy 1, 6 to 7. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you, through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. So that's the preceding scripture to what we read before. He said to him, stir up the gift of God. The gift of God is the Holy Spirit. We said that last week. So he's saying to him, stir it up. Don't let it just lie dormant. Stir it up. So you stir up this gift by communing with the Holy Spirit. You stir up the gift of God by communing with the Holy Spirit. And he says, this gift came on you by the laying on of my hands. That's, that's what you see in Acts chapter number 8 verse 17. It says, then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. That's why this is the primary way of, of people receiving the Holy Spirit. When, when someone who has the Holy Spirit lays hands on, on you, you're supposed to receive the Holy Spirit. And you can also ask, because you see it in other scriptures, where people just ask for the Holy Spirit and they receive them. So how do you do this? How do you stir up? How do you stir up the gift of God that is on the inside of you? You find that in the book of Jude. Jude has only one chapter. But if you go to verse 19, from verse 19 to 21, Jude from verse 19 to 21, it says, these are sensual persons. We're talking about people, some other kind of people who cause divisions because they don't have the Spirit. So when you see people who are always in strife, who are always fighting, they don't have the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost, is, is the, it produces peace in us. And then it says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, this is why I said you cannot live a successful Christian life. You cannot walk in love. You cannot build up yourself on your most holy faith if you don't pray in the Spirit. I, I told you the, the testimony of my, of my, my, my friend, uh, uh, somebody who helps us out around here, a very dear guy to me, who got filled with the Holy Spirit during Revive. I told him, I said, for the, next, for the next three days that you are praying, make sure that the only prayer you are praying is in tongues. Don't try to pray in your understanding. Pray in other tongues because then you will see, you will receive fresh utterance will start to come through with you. See verse 21. It says, keeping yourselves in the love of God. So when you pray in the Holy Ghost, you are, you are building yourselves on your most holy faith and you are keeping yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So this is how you begin to operate in God's love. This is how you see all these things that the Spirit of God is supposed to produce in your life. This is how you see them coming to manifestation. You have to be praying in other tongues every day. There's no other way around it. For me, the goal in my life has always, ever since the, the year that I attended the first edition of the West African Faith Believers Convention, where all of the ministers were just saying the same thing, that they pray in, in tongues for one hour. Kenneth Hagin taught us to pray in tongues for one hour a day. I said, there's this one hour a day, there has to be something here. So I set that as a goal in my life, and God has helped me. Every day, that's the target. Some days I go well over it, well over that, but some days I don't achieve it. But that is always the goal. That's always the goal. Sometimes I, might, I can do it at once. Sometimes I can break it down. Maybe I, I have to leave home very early in the morning. I do a few minutes. I do in, during the day. At night, I complete it. I am always constantly trying to reach for one hour every single day. You can start with 15 minutes and build it up. And build it up. But you must be praying in the Holy Ghost. Because this is how you build yourself on your most holy faith. And this is how you keep yourself in the love of God. This is the way you stir up the gift of God that is on the inside of you. Because when you pray in other tongues, the, spirit, uh, the Bible talks about the, the fact that you embolden yourself. You embolden yourself. That's how you become fearless. That's how you operate in love. That's how you have a sound mind when you pray in the spirit. Don't be among those who feel like the, holy, the praying in tongues is weird. If, if praying in tongues is weird, Christianity is weird. Uh -huh. If you think that it is weird, then it means Christianity is weird. And we are already weird enough. 
So it's better to be weird than powerful, <laughs> all right, than to, than to just sit down and say, oh, this prayer is something, I don't understand it. I, I, I hope today you will get a clear understanding that there's a purpose behind it. It's not a sign of spiritual gymnastics. It's not a sign that you are better than anybody else. It is what the Bible commands us to do, and there is a reason. You, by that, you build up yourself on your most holy faith. You can operate in faith more when you, and we'll talk about the gift of faith, when we, when we talk about the gift of the Holy, holy Spirit. You can operate in faith, and you can operate in love. That's how you love. When you, you see that it's difficult for you to love people who are practically unlovable, it's because you are not praying enough in the Holy Ghost. You are not praying enough. So today, I want you to make it a, a commitment and ask the, the Spirit of God to help you, that you want to commit to praying in other tongues. Every single day, whether it is for at least one hour, whether it is for at least 15, if you have not been doing it before, it will be hard for you to just go from zero to one hour. Okay, you can start with 15 minutes. I always encourage that that's the minimum. I mean, if you, if you pray five minutes in the morning uh, in tongues now, I'm not talking about your normal prayer, your, your normal quiet time. Pray five in the morning, five in, during the day, and five minutes at night. That's not too much. Okay, and make sure you, are, you do that diligently. With time, you will see that you start going over that. Consistently, you will start going over that. And it will become a delight. Uh, it will move from being a discipline, it will become a delight for you. And you will see, you will see the results in your life. And when you start to see the results, you will know <laughs> that this is the way that I have to go about doing this, alright? So you need, to, you need to start to do that. Alright, let me share one more scripture with you, and then we'll, we'll wrap up for today. I believe you've been, you've been blessed. Romans chapter 8, from verse 26. Romans chapter 8, 26. It says, likewise, this is a very good reason why you have to pray in the Spirit. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our witnesses. He says, the Spirit helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So he says, we don't know what we're supposed to pray about. That's why I always tell people, don't trust your own prayer more than you trust the Holy Spirit. The reason why a lot of people don't pray in tongues, the way I'm describing, is that they say, I'll just be praying in tongues for one hour. I don't know what I'm praying. That's okay. That's okay. It's, it, it, the, the point is that you are trusting the Spirit of God inside you to do the praying. Because He knows the mind of God. He knows the things that you should be praying about. You don't know what you should be praying about. But the Spirit of God does. And He will help you. He will make intercessions for you with groanings that cannot be uttered. That's what the Bible says. And then verse 27 says, Now, He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because He makes intercession for the saints according to to the will of God. So it's the Holy Spirit that is making intercession for every believer according to the will of God. But if you are not praying in the Spirit, you are not allowing Him to make intercession for you according to the will of God. You cannot pray wrong when you pray in the Spirit. You cannot pray amiss when you pray in the Spirit. So start to trust the Spirit of God to do the praying for you and you will see your life literally go from strength to strength in the name of Jesus Christ. So I hope with these few points of mine, I've been able to convince you and not to confuse you. But if you have not started this journey, I want to give you an opportunity today. You have not made Jesus the Lord of your life. You have never made a personal commitment to follow Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity today to begin a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and all you have to do is to say a simple prayer with me. I will lead you in this prayer. It's a simple prayer, but it's a very powerful prayer. And the, the Spirit of God will come on the inside of you and you will see your life begin to go from, from glory to glory in the name of Jesus Christ. So say this with me wherever you are. Say, Lord Jesus, I, I need you to say it. Say, Lord Jesus. I believe in my heart that God sent you to die for my sins. I confess with my mouth that he raised you from the dead on the third day. I accept you into my life today as my Lord and as my Savior. Say, Holy Spirit, come into my life today and do something with it. Say it one more time. Say, Holy Spirit, I receive you into my life by faith today. 
in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you. Look, if you said that prayer, you are now a child of God. You are now the, the heaven. The Bible says there is, there is joy in heaven over one sinner that repents. So there's literally a party <laughs> going on in heaven right now because of you. All right. And we also want to celebrate with you. So I want you to reach out to us. Uh, write to us. Send us an email. Let us know that you said this prayer today. The reason why we ask you to send us an email is because we want to be a blessing to you. Uh, it's not to, to ask you for anything. We just want to send you a package that we give to people who, who give their lives to Jesus around here. It, it, it includes a Bible and a, a, a couple of materials that will help you to grow as a Christian. If you are in the city of Halifax, send us an email. Let us know that you said this prayer. Even if you are anywhere else in Canada, we will, we will send you the materials just to be a blessing to you. And if today is the first time that you are watching this, all right, uh, or that you, you connected with our live stream, also reach out to us. We want to bless you as well. Uh, we have a gift that we usually give to people who, who come to our church for the very first time. So we want to, we want to reach out to you as well. All right. And if you're not in the, in, in, in the city of Halifax or you're not anywhere in Canada and you gave your life to Jesus today, I want you to find a Bible believing church where you are that you can connect with, that you can, you can fellowship with because that's how you begin to grow. You know, you, you, you don't give your life to Jesus and go into your isolated corner. The Spirit of God will, will help you to, to grow when you are in the community with other believers, all right? And if, if there's no COVID where you are, uh, the, the, the restrictions are being lifted, go back into church and begin to fellowship with other believers.